Welcome to the DEI Discussions podcast series. This is the Women of Fintech chapter, and we are here today to celebrate the wins, raise awareness of the challenges, and walk the talk for change across the entire financial technology industry. And today I am super happy because we are joined by Genia Winter, Head of Marketing for Financial Messaging at Bottom Line Technologies. She is here to share how she walks the talk for inclusion in our sector and what more she wants done. Welcome, I'm super happy to have you join us. I'm delighted to be here too. It's always exciting to chew the fat with you, Nadia. Yeah, and this has been a long time coming doing this. <laughs> it has. I mean, I think we sort of talked about doing this way back in sort of January. <laughs> but all, all, all good things come to those that wait, yeah, as they say. Absolutely. <laughs> so let's kick us off. And mm. tell us a bit more about Bottom Line itself. Sure. So um, Bottom Line is a global payments uh, business, essentially money in, money out. So we're a lot bigger than people think. So we look after 10,000 corporate customers, 1,400 commercial and business banks. And that also includes the top 15 of the, of the top 25 global banks. We're in 92 countries across six continents. And we're owned by a portfolio company called Toma Brava, which really have um, a lot of companies within the, the tech space which we, we feed best practice of all those different portfolio products. But my particular solution is financial messaging, which is a part of the business that focuses on payments connectivity, payments messaging, and, and orchestration. Mm-hmm. So whether it's sort of back office, uh, making sure that a global banks and FIs or, or, or non-banking financial institutions are kind of connected and really driving towards that that best practice. So the way I break it down is, you know, we look after connect, comply, compete. So connect for those individuals within banks and FIs that are looking after technology, uh, the comply, those that are responsible for the massive amounts of regulation um, that that are out there, and also that business continuity. And then the compete are those that are really focused around digital payments modernization. So what can we do to remain competitive? So if you think about what is competitive advantage for banks and FIs, it's essentially keeping their corporate customers happy. So they need to make sure they've got all the new bells and whistles that will ensure a good customer journey and the best connectivity for their corporate customers. Mm -hmm. It's super exciting and you are involved and wear so many hats across all of this. So tell us a bit about your roles. So my role is I look after the marketing strategy for financial messaging. So I work very closely with with, um, with the product guys in terms of working out what our new roadmap is, as well as the sales guys. We've, we've all got key targets we need to focus on. It is exciting because, you know, within financial matching, we're very much driven by compelling events. And I touched on it before, you know, when we th- have things like, you know, uh, new mandates within the UK for confirmation of payee, and you've got the new payments architecture, and then you've got things like the ISO 2022 mandate, where people have to obviously be able to receive ISO messages, but they've got to 2025 for coexistence to both send and receive. And then you have, everything's all about real time. So you've got those various different schemes that are happening in Europe with SEPA INST, Switzerland, SICIP, and then obviously in the US, we've had TCH for a while, but now Fed now have nailed their colors to the mast. Uh, so those banks in America are now following suit. But when you have a conversation around any of those topics, real-time ISO, cross-border, fraud, 
you're always having a conversation about everything in tandem. There's nothing in isolation. They're all interlinked. And so that makes, A, the job exciting, but it also makes, you know, a very complicated subject. If you understand those core pieces and how they interact, then you're kind of on your way within payments. And that's what's exciting. You need that skill set. If you work hard at it and you know your stuff, then you're really guaranteed a career and opportunities. Mm-hmm. It's so, so exciting to hear you talk. Like, you're so passionate about this. Like, your knowledge is, like, never-ending. But also how you explain it to, to me, you know? I feel like anybody can understand such complex things when they come out of your mouth. So tell us a bit about your personal journey to this because these amazing skills you have now, like, how did you get them? How did you enter the industry? And, you know, what's kept you here for so long? Yeah, no, I mean, I, I, so I started off, you know, straight out of university and I went into academics and finance, but payments has really been around the last 10 plus years. I kind of fell into it, actually. So before it was all about sort of a private investment and so you learn a lot of your core skill sets from that, but not the subject knowledge. It is, I don't want to say payments is niche because it's essential. Everybody wants to pay and get paid, right? But the topics that are within it are, are niche and it is all about just hard work. I'm very proud of the fact, and, and thank you for saying so, that I'm not just a marketer. Yes, I know how to do webinars and I know how to write articles and yes, but I also, in my relationship with the product guys and the sales guys, I have to be able to live whatever they're going to present at a conference, whatever they're going to say in a sales meeting, and I need to be able to understand it as well as they do. So. Whenever we do presentations, most of the time it'll be me writing it. Obviously, they can add all their technical bells and whistles, mm-hmm. but the main structure of the synopsis and the understanding just comes from reading what's going on in the market, understanding what the trends are, and never being afraid to ask questions, never being afraid to look stupid, because if you have that knowledge base, then people are going to take you seriously. And I, I want to come on to that um, later on in terms of how you, you build your personal brand, which is something you're an expert in. Mm. And it is fascinating. And I think it takes us into the whole conversation around marketing and what, what it used to be and mm-hmm. what it is now. Like, yeah. you're absolutely right. Like, you are selling as if you are in the product team. Mm-hmm. In fact, it's as if you're in all of the teams because you have to have this holistic view. Yeah. But also marketing, it never ends. It's The presentation is never over, is it? Because no. it's constantly talking about the brand and the perception of that brand and people's understanding and what the value they associate with it. So, you know, I really like what you said about everyone being able to ask questions Mm -hmm. and no one feeling stupid. And it takes me on to the question I wanted to ask you around environments and, you know, what makes a great environment for people, especially when you've got an environment where you've got people-focused attitudes. Mm-hmm. So uh, around the people focus, actually, you're right. So the marketing, you know, they do pretty colors on the PowerPoints and, you know, that's what they do. So very much from shifting, well, you know, I joined Bottom Line three and a half years ago, having come from a previously much larger a competitor. And I was really determined when I started to have a clean slate and really make it clear that marketing is more than just that, that we are part, we are part of the whole communication cog. So it really was about 
not being dictated to by sales, right, we need to do this webinar here and this is what we need to focus on. It was like, no, let's take a step back. Let's look at the overall strategy. I'm not doing it just because you've told me to do it. Mm. I need to be part of the conversation. I need to understand why. And also, I'm not having any secret squirrel phone calls that go on that marketing's not involved in. Mm. We need to be in the loop from the very beginning. We have a lot to contribute in terms of, you talked before about the blind spot. There's a lot of different views that marketing can come in on that are different to product. You know, products can be very technical. Sales is going to be really salesy, you know. Uh, but marketing, we're supposed to bridge that gap and really push it as thought leadership. Nobody wants to watch, you know, a webinar or listen to a presentation if it's A, dull, and B, it's clearly got an agenda. It needs to be about education. So really, we've worked hard at bottom line and across the board, actually, uh, to make sure that marketing is that central piece. And every time we do our quarterly reviews or annual reviews, I have as much time to do my presentation as sales, product, everyone else. We're equally important. Mm. Yeah, excellent. And, you know, thinking about that environment, but also, you know, the wider industry, Mm -hmm. how important is champion inclusion in the workplace and how far do you think we've come? Well, I'll split it into two. So, I mean, it's absolutely vital to have inclusion because no matter what we say, it is all meritocracy, right? So you want the best people to work for your company and that doesn't matter what creed, what sexuality, what what, um, nationality or, or sexuality they have. I want the best people to be in my team. So all different companies across the board, not just in fintech, need to be aware of that. I will come back to the marketing thing as well. It's very much been a sort of female-orientated career. So people have said, well, you know, you talk about female inclusion, but that's not an issue in marketing, is it? Because you always have loads of women in marketing. Yes, but that's the... It's, I, I want actually men to be attracted to marketing as well. I don't want them to think, oh, well, if I'm in marketing, it's a certain skill set. And also... I want people to see that there's opportunity. So even if you come in as a woman in marketing, I want them to be able to move on and be able to be a coder, say, or move into sales or move within different parts of the business. You know, you know in order to have growth, you, then you need, you need that inclusivity. I talked about driving the role of women, uh, but in terms of advocacy, I hope that when I leave the room, people are saying nice things about me and I want to do the same as well. My job as head of marketing for FM is to make sure that the, the people that work for me, A, can do the best job that they can by giving them the knowledge, but also to make sure that they get that recognition. There's nothing more frustrating than people bounding in and saying, oh, look at the work that I've done. And actually somebody's in the background going, well, actually you didn't do that. I did it and you just stuck your name on it. So throughout the whole ecosystem, whether they've just joined, whether they're medium in their career or whether they're ending, everybody needs a bit of praise when they deserve it. And if you're not able to do that, then you're not a team player. Simple as. Mm. I love that because, you know, that praise element in any environment is super important, mm-hmm. but getting it right yes. is even more important. Yeah, making everybody feel comfortable. I mean, I'm quite, I'm sure if you spoke to any of the guys that, you know, that work with me, I, I think they'd say she's quite a hard taskmaster, you know, yeah. so they don't get an easy ride. I have very high expectations, but I will have their back and I will, I will champion them. I mean, I, I'm losing staff right, left and centre because all of them get promoted. And that's 
no coincidence. Um, because I make them work hard, but also yeah. I'm, I support them in, in, yeah. in what their ambitions are. Yeah. I also want to talk about a slightly more sceptical view of inclusion, if I may. Mm. So everything's about business case often as well. And I don't want to put that hat on because I'm clearly passionate about it from a person point of view. But I suggested this to one of my colleagues. We, when we do RFPs, we have to fill in this section about ESG. We have to be able to say, what, what, are you, what do you do uh, to support inclusion, sustainability? And that obviously is talking about in, inclusion for women as well. So even if you were a skeptical so-and-so and you were thinking, well, to invest in all these programs for women, it's going to cost money, we're watching the pennies. Actually, to have a strong statement about your program for women and for other minorities is going to help you support you with your sales pitch. So there's another. I don't want to say it, but I'm just going to say it because a business case sometimes might be the deciding factor between them rolling out programs to support women. Mm, mm. And just on that, yeah. when we're talking about gender equality and mm-hmm. we're talking about the gender imbalance that we face in this industry in particular... You know, what is it that you think is so important in getting it right? And what are your thoughts on gender equality, actually including everyone, mm. and not only to rest on backs of people who identify as women? So gender equality involving everybody. So, I mean, I, I talked before about the programmes that can be rolled out. But when we talk about things like, and I'll start, I'll go for the big one, right? I'll talk, start with menopause, right? So people think, all oh, that only impacts a certain group and, you know, women, sort of middle-aged women. Um, but actually, it doesn't. That's a, a really good example of everybody knows somebody that's going through the menopause, whether that's your mother, whether it's your wife. So education around these key issues is not just restricted to the woman who's experiencing it. The work colleagues as well is everybody that interacts with them. And you're going to get the most... uh, One could say easily the same thing if you're talking about loss, you know, or or issues with parents that are ill. You know, these don't just... Traditionally, it is often women that are are there as the carers or will take time off to look after children. But the overall... That's not necessarily the case in today's society. But everybody needs to be aware of what's going on because it's about communication. It's about having strong relationships. And you can't do that if you don't feel understood, you don't feel supported, and you don't feel trusted. So that's, again, that's not just about women, it's about everybody. And it also can be referred to in terms of your sexuality or indeed your religion or race. Mm-hmm. Really interesting comments. One thing about this podcast, I always mm. introduce it saying we're here today to walk the talk. Yes. Um, you know, I, I love these podcasts. They're called the DI Discussions. We're here to discuss, we're here to talk, we're here to share ideas, we're here to learn. Mm-hmm. But actually, it's about implementing those learnings. Mm-hmm. So what would you like to see more of for genuine work? workplace inclusion that the audience can take away with yes them. we have a phrase in scotland all talk and no trousers <laughs> i really feel very strongly about that it is about taking action responsibility yourself we're all busy an example i came along to see your presentation with the european women in payments loved it and thought right i'm going to do my own event i'm going to extend it that i heard that presentation in december and by february we had our own event for 50 people so that's walking the talk it's also i'm an ambassador for women of fintech yes of course there's a certain amount of you know from me being able to express my views and being able to get change within bottom line but the whole point of that 
and being an ambassador and giving time is so that I can really be proactive about addressing the things. You know, I, I'm going to go back and say it again. FinTech has this reputation for being for a certain type of people, person. It's quite elitist. It's intimidating. I want to absolutely throw that to one side. I want to encourage people that are new to fintech to understand what the possibilities are. I want to bring people over from oil and gas and other sectors so that they can see the benefits of fintech. For those in the middle stage of their career, through advocacy, I want to be able to support them to make sure that they have all the opportunities they can for growth. People know who they are. They're getting recognition at the end of their careers. I want to make sure that we don't have these terrible stats where we're women don't feel supported over menopause. I don't have the stats to hand, but it's something terrifying, you know, where you're getting huge levels of really, huge amounts of really experienced women who just can't cope because they're not supported. And you're losing those. It goes back to the meritocracy. You're losing your most skilled, talented, dedicated, committed people because you can't be bothered to extend a proper program to support them. And, you know, it's something that I've been conscious of actually at bottom line. And when I first had the conversations, we'll, we'll talk about it. Yeah, we love the idea. But then I said, right, too much time's elapsed. We're just going to do it. So I reached out to our chief people officer, Big Cheese. <laughs> I wasn't intimidated. And I said to her, we need to do an event to support women. Here's the agenda. This is a bit I'll speak at. This is where I think you guys can come in and basically delivered it as a fait accompli almost and said, I'm not asking for any money up front. This kickstart it, but it needs to be a series of activities. So we'll start off in London, beam it elsewhere, but I then want you know, that to be extended. So we have one in the US, one in India. We, you know, we're in, we have offices globally. And again, I don't want them to think, oh, we only care about it in, in the UK. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, that's going to cause frustration too. And there are other things. We have mentoring programs at bottom line. We've always had those, which is great. But things are starting to be rolled out. So the government have an apprenticeship scheme, which means that people are able to do MBAs. And bottom line have really embraced that. They've said, no matter where you are, we will help you get a further qualification and we will pay for it as part of the apprenticeship scheme. That didn't happen in my previous company. That didn't happen in the company before. So there is action being taken. It's my job and your job and everybody on this podcast job to make sure that it isn't all talk and no trousers, that people follow through and that you are driving it. Use your enthusiasm to make sure it happens. It's not good enough to say, well, they've just said no. Don't accept no for an answer. You're letting yourself down and everybody else in the community. Shania, it's been an absolute pleasure to have you inspire us, instill this passion that just flows out of you as you talk. I've absolutely loved every minute of our conversation today. Thank you for joining us on the DEI Discussions podcast, part of the Women of Fintech chapter. Delighted. Thanks so much, everybody. Mm -hmm.